part three chapter one section two b of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part three chapter one the fete first part section two b at last all were seated the music ceased people began blowing their noses and looking about them they waited with too solemn an air which is always a bad sign but nothing was to be seen yet of the lemkes silks velvets diamonds glowed and sparkled on every side whiffs of fragrance filled the air the men were wearing all their decorations and the old men were even in uniform at last the marshal's wife came in with liza liza had never been so dazzlingly charming or so splendidly dressed as that morning her hair was done up in curls her eyes sparkled a smile beamed on her face she made an unmistakable sensation people scrutinized her and whispered about her they said that she was looking for stavrogin but neither stavrogin nor varvara petrovna were there at the time i did not understand the expression of her face why was there so much happiness such joy such energy and strength in that face i remembered what had happened the day before and could not make it out but still the lemkes did not come this was distinctly a blunder i learned that yulia mihailovna waited till the last minute for pyotr stepanovitch without whom she could not stir a step though she never admitted it to herself i must mention in parenthesis that on the previous day pyotr stepanovitch had at the last meeting of the committee declined to wear the rosette of a steward which had disappointed her dreadfully even to the point of tears to her surprise and later on her extreme discomfiture to anticipate things he vanished for the whole morning and did not make his appearance at the literary matinee at all so that no one met him till evening at last the audience began to manifest unmistakable signs of impatience no one appeared on the platform either the back rows began applauding as in a theatre the elderly gentlemen and the ladies frowned the lemkes are really giving themselves unbearable airs even among the better part of the audience an absurd whisper began to gain ground that perhaps there would not be a fete at all the lemke perhaps was really unwell and so on and so on but thank god the lemkes at last appeared she was leaning on his arm i must confess i was in great apprehension myself about their appearance but the legends were disproved and the truth was triumphant the audience seemed relieved lemke himself seemed perfectly well every one i remember was of that opinion for it can be imagined how many eyes were turned on him i may mention as characteristic of our society that there were very few of the better-class people who saw reason to suppose that there was anything wrong with him his conduct seemed to them perfectly normal and so much so that the action he had taken in the square the morning before was accepted and approved that's how it should have been from the first the higher officials declared if a man begins as a philanthropist he has to come to the same thing in the end though he does not see that it was necessary from the point of view of philanthropy itself that at least was the opinion at the club they only blamed him for having lost his temper it ought to have been done more coolly but there he is a new man said the authorities all eyes turned with equal eagerness to yulia mihailovna of course no one has the right to expect from me an exact account in regard to one point that is a mysterious a feminine question but i only know one thing on the evening of the previous day she had gone into andrey antonovitch's study 
and was there with him till long after midnight andrey antonovitch was comforted and forgiven the husband and wife came to a complete understanding everything was forgotten and when at the end of the interview lemke went down on his knees recalling with horror the final incident of the previous night the exquisite hand and after it the lips of his wife checked the fervent flow of penitent phrases of the chivalrously delicate gentleman who was limp with emotion every one could see the happiness in her face she walked in with an open-hearted air wearing a magnificent dress she seemed to be at the very pinnacle of her heart's desires the fete the goal and crown of her diplomacy was an accomplished fact as they walked to their seats in front of the platform the lemkes bowed in all directions and responded to greetings they were at once surrounded the marshal's wife got up to meet them but at that point a horrid misunderstanding occurred the orchestra apropos of nothing struck up a flourish not a triumphal march of any kind but a simple flourish such as was played at the club when someone's health was drunk at an official dinner i know now that lyamshin in his capacity of steward had arranged this as though in honour of the lemka's entrance of course he could always excuse it as a blunder or excessive zeal alas i did not know at the time that they no longer cared even to find excuses and that all such considerations were from that day a thing of the past but the flourish was not the end of it in the midst of the vexatious astonishment and the smiles of the audience there was a sudden hurrah from the end of the hall and from the gallery also apparently in lemka's honour the hurrahs were few but i must confess they lasted for some time yulia mihailovna flushed her eyes flashed lemka stood still at his chair and turning towards the voices sternly and majestically scanned the audience they hastened to make him sit down i noticed with dismay the same dangerous smile on his face as he had worn the morning before in his wife's drawing-room when he stared at stepan trofimovitch before going up to him it seemed to me that now too there was an ominous and worst of all a rather comic expression on his countenance the expression of a man resigned to sacrifice himself to satisfy his wife's lofty aims yulia mihailovna beckoned to me hurriedly and whispered to me to run to karmazinov and entreat him to begin and no sooner had i turned away than another disgraceful incident much more unpleasant than the first took place on the platform the empty platform on which till that moment all eyes and all expectations were fastened and where nothing was to be seen but a small table a chair in front of it and on the table a glass of water on a silver salver on the empty platform there suddenly appeared the colossal figure of captain lebyadkin wearing a dress-coat and a white tie i was so astounded i could not believe my eyes the captain seemed confused and remained standing at the back of the platform suddenly there was a shout in the audience lebyadkin you the captain's stupid red face he was hopelessly drunk expanded in a broad vacant grin at this greeting he raised his hand rubbed his forehead with it shook his shaggy head and as though making up his mind to go through with it took two steps forward and suddenly went off into a series of prolonged blissful gurgling but not loud guffaws which made him screw up his eyes and set all his bulky person heaving this spectacle set almost half the audience laughing twenty people applauded the serious part of the audience looked at one another gloomily it all lasted only half a minute however 
liputin wearing his steward's rosette ran on to the platform with two servants they carefully took the captain by both arms while liputin whispered something to him the captain scowled muttered ah well if that's it waved his hand turned his huge back to the public and vanished with his escort but a minute later liputin skipped on to the platform again he was wearing the sweetest of his invariable smiles which usually suggested vinegar and sugar and carried in his hands a sheet of note-paper with tiny but rapid steps he came forward to the edge of the platform ladies and gentlemen he said addressing the public through our inadvertency there has arisen a comical misunderstanding which has been removed but i've hopefully undertaken to do something at the earnest and most respectful request of one of our local poets deeply touched by the humane and lofty object in spite of his appearance the object which has brought us all together to wipe away the tears of the poor but well-educated girls of our province this gentleman i mean this local poet although desirous of preserving his incognito would gladly have heard his poem read at the beginning of the ball that is i mean of the matinee though this poem is not in the programme for it has only been received half an hour ago yet it has seemed to us us whom did he mean by us i report his confused and incoherent speech word for word that through its remarkable naivete of feeling together with its equally remarkable gaiety the poem might well be read that is not as something serious but as something appropriate to the occasion that is to the idea especially as some lines and i wanted to ask the kind permission of the audience read it boomed a voice at the back of the hall then i am to read it read it read it cried many voices with the permission of the audience i will read it liputin minced again still with the same sugary smile he still seemed to hesitate and i even thought that he was rather excited these people are sometimes nervous in spite of their impudence a divinity student would have carried it through without winking but liputin did after all belong to the last generation i must say that is i have the honour to say by way of preface that it is not precisely an ode such as used to be written for fetes but is rather so to say a jest but full of undoubted feeling together with playful humour and so to say the most realistic truthfulness read it read it he unfolded the paper no one of course was in time to stop him besides he was wearing his steward's badge in a ringing voice he declaimed to the local governesses of the fatherland from the poet at the fete governesses all good morrow triumph on this festive day retrograde or vowed george sander never mind just frisk away but that's lebyadkins lebyadkins cried several voices there was laughter and even applause though not from very many teaching french to wet-nosed children you are glad enough to think you can catch a worn-out sexton even he is worth a wink hurrah hurrah but in these great days of progress ladies to your sorrow know you can't even catch a sexton if you have not got a dot to be sure to be sure that's realism you can't hook a husband without a dot but henceforth since throughout our feasting capital has flowed from all and we send you forth to conquest dancing dowried from this hall retrograde or vowed your sander never mind rejoice you may you're a governess with a dowry spit on all and frisk away 
i must confess i could not believe my ears the insolence of it was so unmistakable that there was no possibility of excusing liputin on the ground of stupidity besides liputin was by no means stupid the intention was obvious to me anyway they seemed in a hurry to create disorder some lines in these idiotic verses for instance the last were such that no stupidity could have let them pass liputin himself seemed to feel that he had undertaken too much when he had achieved his exploit he was so overcome by his own impudence that he did not even leave the platform but remained standing as though there were something more he wanted to say he had probably imagined that it would somehow produce a different effect but even the group of ruffians who had applauded during the reading suddenly sank into silence as though they too were overcome what was silliest of all many of them took the whole episode seriously that is did not regard the verses as a lampoon but actually thought it realistic and true as regards the governesses a poem with a tendency in fact but the excessive freedom of the verses struck even them at last as for the general public they were not only scandalized but obviously offended i am sure i am not mistaken as to the impression yulia mihailovna said afterwards that in another moment she would have fallen into a swoon one of the most respectable old gentlemen helped his old wife on to her feet and they walked out of the hall accompanied by the agitated glances of the audience who knows the example might have infected others if karmazinov himself wearing a dress-coat and a white tie and carrying a manuscript in his hand had not appeared on the platform at that moment yulia mihailovna turned an ecstatic gaze at him as on her deliverer but i was by that time behind the scenes i was in quest of liputin you did that on purpose i said seizing him indignantly by the arm i assure you i never thought he began cringing and lying at once pretending to be unhappy the verses had only just been brought and i thought that as an amusing pleasantry you did not think anything of the sort you can't really think that stupid rubbish an amusing pleasantry yes i do you are simply lying and it wasn't brought to you just now you helped lebyadkin to compose it yourself yesterday very likely to create a scandal the last verse must have been yours the part about the sexton too why did he come on in a dress-coat you must have meant him to read it too if he had not been drunk liputin looked at me coldly and ironically what business is it of yours he asked suddenly with strange calm what business is it of mine you are wearing the steward's badge too where is pyotr stepanovitch i don't know somewhere here why do you ask because now i see through it it's simply a plot against yulia mihailovna so as to ruin the day by a scandal liputin looked at me askance again but what is it to you he said grinning he shrugged his shoulders and walked away it came over me with a rush all my suspicions were confirmed till then i had been hoping i was mistaken what was i to do i was on the point of asking the advice of stepan trofimovitch but he was standing before the looking-glass trying on different smiles and continually consulting a piece of paper on which he had notes he had to go on immediately after karmazinov and was not in a fit state for conversation should i run to yulia mihailovna but it was too soon to go to her she needed a much sterner lesson to cure her of her conviction that she had a following and that every one was fanatically devoted to her she would not have believed me and would have thought i was dreaming besides what help could she be 
eh i thought after all what business is it of mine i'll take off my badge and go home when it begins that was my mental phrase when it begins i remember it but i had to go and listen to karmazinov taking a last look round behind the scenes i noticed that a good number of outsiders even women among them were flitting about going in and out behind the scenes was rather a narrow space completely screened from the audience by a curtain and communicating with other rooms by means of a passage here our readers were awaiting their turns but i was struck at that moment by the reader who was to follow stepan trofimovitch he too was some sort of professor i don't know to this day exactly what he was who had voluntarily left some educational institution after a disturbance among the students and had arrived in the town only a few days before he too had been recommended to yulia mihailovna and she had received him with reverence i know now that he had only spent one evening in her company before the reading he had not spoken all that evening had listened with an equivocal smile to the jests and the general tone of the company surrounding yulia mihailovna and had made an unpleasant impression on every one by his air of haughtiness and at the same time almost timorous readiness to take offence it was yulia mihailovna herself who had enlisted his services now he was walking from corner to corner and like stepan trofimovitch was muttering to himself though he looked on the ground instead of in the looking-glass he was not trying on smiles though he often smiled rapaciously it was obvious that it was useless to speak to him either he looked about forty was short and bald had a greyish beard and was decently dressed but what was most interesting about him was that at every turn he took he threw up his right fist brandished it above his head and suddenly brought it down again as though crushing an antagonist to atoms he went through this by-play every moment it made me uncomfortable i hastened away to listen to karmazinov end of part three chapter one section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine